Dr. King's civil rights movement in the trenches of the battleground state of Ohio, city of Cincinnati, and the daughter of civil rights activist Dr. Stephen Reese Sr. and the late Barbara Howell Reese, who marched for me 50 years ago. A champion for voting rights. We're going to bring you people that know about business. We're going to bring you people that know about what's going on in the tech. Put some soul into this whole tech Thing that's going on. She's a fighter for the people. Welcome Reverend Al Sharpton to the show. Congratulations on your show. She's authentic. We're bringing Joe Madison known as the Black Eagle. Congratulations on one, having the show. Nothing is more important than the local programs that engage our communities. She's a proud HBCU grad. It's time for Alicia Reese's Soul Food. Food for the Soul on Cincinnati's 24-hour Urban Gospel Connection, Inspiration 1050 AM and 103.1 FM WGRI. And we are, we're live. I'm trying to get it together here. Just making it in a nick of time. Jumping off a plane, um, running from the plane to go give a speech at the Ohio Hotel and Lodging Association on... um, Future of Conventions and Tourism, uh, which is expertise in my area, and, uh, and then hustle on down here to get going. We got an exciting show. I had to make sure I have my uh, Grambling, my Grambling uniform on. See, I have my uniform. I wear my Grambling. So I've got my uniform on. You can join us on Facebook Live, Alicia Reese Soul Food. Like our page, Alicia Reese Soul Food. Like the page. Already people are jumping on. Yvette uh, Cunningham, thanks for checking in. Uh, wow. Ross uh, Snail, Dwayne Weems, uh, Maria uh, Brewster checking in. Thanks for checking in on Alicia Reese Soul Food Live. We got an exciting show. We're going to take you all the way. Uh, let me get this camera right here. There we go. Make sure I get my hot sauce in the shot because we always got to have our hot sauce. Let's see here. I think that's better. Okay. So um, also you can um, subscribe to our page on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it. We're on all the platforms and uh, we got an exciting show today. So I want everyone Everyone around the world, because we're worldwide, everyone around the world who likes to roller skate, used to roller skate, wish they could skate, um, we want you to get to get to uh, get to our show, whether you get to it online, get to it on Facebook, um, or if you're listening on the radio, tell them turn it on. We've got a huge, 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 huge show uh, dealing with a documentary movie that has captured the attention of everyone. I mean, everyone. So we want everyone to get to this, um, get to this show. We've got some great guests that are coming on. And as soon as I turn my headsets up, I can hear better. There we go. Uh, we got uh, some great guest producers who produced a a documentary on roller skating. And in the documentary, we're going to talk a lot more about it, but it, it deals with, it tackles gentrification. It tackles um, um, uh, the issue of, of race. It tackles the issue of um, disrespect. It tackles the issue of rinks closing down uh it tackles uh government uh, that uh trying to you know shut down rinks it deals with police community relations my goodness it deals with all of this and uh, it has gotten the attention of of some pretty big names uh who are who are um saying this movie is it so we're trying to bring it to cincinnati to the Ohio or OTR, the OTR Film Festival. I mean, it's been to Tribeca, my gosh. It definitely should be able to get to the OTR Film Festival. So we're talking about bringing here. Also, in, uh, there's some film festivals in Cleveland and Columbus, but they're going to be in Washington, D.C. So I, I want all of my Washington, D.C. listeners, supporters, Facebook supporters, you got to see this. Even if you've never skated before, the the story, and it'll give you so much. And I've been skating for over 30 years, over 30 years. It's something that, um, it was something that my mother, she was a skater. 
And my mom would take me, my brother, and my sister. That was mom's time. Because my dad, he just he just really couldn't skate. He tried to skate one time. And, you know, that he had his, he put on his jeans. And he had the bell bottoms. And um, we used to call him the Globetrotter pants. He had the bell bottoms on. And then he had the big apple hat. I mean, he had the look. Oh, he was going to do something. And we thought, oh, man, dad's going to hit the skate floor. And he really did hit the skate floor. <laughs> and he never... Uh, tried to skate again, uh, so he left that up to mama, and uh, my mom could backwards skate, frontwards skate, all that, so she taught us how to skate, and every Sunday after church and after we have dinner, uh, we had a, a family soul skate night, and she would take us to roller skate, uh, me, my brother, and my sister, and teach us how to skate, and, uh, you know, we had some, you know, even this 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 film, we're going to hear more about it, but this film even tackles um hip-hop and how in hip-hop you couldn't um how in hip-hop you really couldn't uh get into these these uh rinks so we're gonna take a quick break and um hopefully um hopefully we come back because we're having some difficulties on our internet service here <laughs> at the station uh, when we come back hopefully we'll be back on ready to go and then we'll um, be talking to some of our guests when we come back on Alicia Reese Soul Food after this Have you or someone you know been in a car, motorcycle, or trucking accident? Time is of the essence. You may be hurt and not even know it. Call the Cochran Firm now in Cincinnati. Founded over 40 years ago by Johnny L. Cochran Jr., the Cochran Firm is one of the premier law firms in the country. They're committed to being your advocate if you've been a victim of a serious injury, car, motorcycle, or trucking accident. Choose a successful, reputable law firm. Don't wait. Call the Cochran Firm right now at 381-HURT. That's 381-HURT online at CochranOhio.com And we are back with Alicia Reese Soul Food Woo! Broadcasting uh, live on Facebook Live We're back up now And uh, we're on 103.1 FM And so um, if you are a, a roller skater I mean it's a lot to roller skating A lot of people it was, It's a stress reliever It's a, um, it's a community it's, it's fun It's healthy and, um, you know, I've been all over the country roller skating, but we've got people from all over the world and people come hundreds and, you know, almost, you know, if it's skate-a-thon in Atlanta, we're talking about over 2,000 people that come from all over the world to roller skate. And uh, this um, documentary, which has gotten a lot of, um, a lot of attention and has even captured the... Um, captured the Tribeca Film Festival and it's gotten great reviews it's called United Skates Documentary United Skates Documentary and um, Washington D.C. we want to make sure that everybody in Washington D.C. they will be showing it this Sunday this Sunday in Washington D.C. you'll get a chance to get a screening and find out what is all the fuss about what is all the fuss about so Robert De Niro and Jane um Rosenthal, uh, who are the founders of the Tribeca Film Festival, we're talking about they invited this film to come and they gave it rave reviews. But don't take my word for it. We're going to try to hear from Robert De Niro and what Jane Rosenthal had to say when they were asked about what are some of the hot movies that will be shown at the Tribeca Film Festival. And here's what they had to say about this film. Skaters around the country. Is it like roller skating rinks? Yeah, so roller, roller skating rinks. Oh, oh, it's, it's, all the ro- it's the different roller skating rinks throughout the country. We're going to have a party afterwards. That will be really fun. Do you have to know how to skate to be at the party? No. You Can I drop your names and say I know you two? Absolutely. Yes. Can I get in? Absolutely. Yes. And you should see the skaters. I mean, they're incredible. I'm also excited about the fact that there's even a higher number of women directors this Mm -hmm. year. We've always had a lot of women filmmakers at the film festival. This year we'll have 46% of uh, our films are directed by women in the narrative category. This is a reunion because every Mm -hmm. year I get to see you too. I I should bring snacks next year, should I? I think so. Some kind of presents? What kind of snacks should I bring? 
Oh, wow. Hello. Anything? Hot dogs. Okay, hot dogs, done deal. Have a popcorn. <laughs> We're in a popcorn. movie theater. Popcorn. Okay, popcorn, maybe. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Alicia Reese's Soul Food, Food for the Soul, on WGRI. Have you or someone you know been in a car, motorcycle, or trucking accident? Time is of the essence. You may be hurt and not even know it. Call the Cochran Firm now in Cincinnati. Founded over 40 years ago by Johnny L. Cochran Jr., the Cochran Firm is one of the premier law firms in the country. They're committed to being your advocate if you've been a victim of a serious injury, car, motorcycle, or trucking accident. Choose a successful, reputable law firm. Don't wait. Call the Cochran Firm right now at 381-HURT. That's 381-HURT online at CochranOhio.com. And we are back with Alicia Reese, Soul Food. If you're a skater, if you love to skate, if you've ever skated, if you always wanted to skate, or you liked watching people skate, or you remember that you used to skate, or family member ever skated, you want to hear this next interview that I have coming up. It's called United Skates. And it's a documentary. And sometimes you see documentaries and you kind of like, I don't know. But sometimes you need to know the history. You need to know the history. But this documentary is, it's incredible because it deals with gentrification. It deals with police community relations. It deals with the history of of skating rinks when um, African Americans could not skate. It deals with protests. It deals with the, the, the local government and zoning. It deals with skating rinks closing down. It deals with... Uh, people being locked out, not able to skate. And that's why we have these national skates where we go all over the world, all over the country, roller skating, and you start to have this this family. You start to share the stories and say, well, my goodness, well, what's going on in D.C. is also the same issues we got in L.A. And what's going on in L.A., Detroit is dealing with, and Chicago's dealing with the same thing as some of the skating rinks in Ohio. And so we start to form this this family, but but we were talking about it among ourselves. The story was never captured, and yet we had some some commercialized movies. We had Roll Bounce with Bow Wow, and we had ATL with um, Ti, but nothing to dig deep into. Why do we skate? What was the background? What's the history behind it? And why it's so important to. Uh, Continue and to preserve that history. And then what's the economics of skating? And then soul skating now being uh, locked out in many rinks and those kind of things. So this this film that I got a chance to get a sneak peek. Um, I mean, it's incredible. And I have to give a shout out to to my girl, fellow skater, uh, Salita, um, who brought it to my attention and said, you just have to you have to see this. So they went to Tribeca Film Festival and at the film festival. Robert De Niro talked about how great this film is. Um, it even deals with hip hop. I mean, you know, we we talk about hip hop and everything, but hip hop artists who are not allowed to to get into these big arenas. I mean, now you got these big arenas. They oh, they're playing this arena and go see Drake, and he's got a twenty seat, uh, twenty thousand seater, and Jay Z and Beyonce now they're in arenas, and you can't halfway get tickets. But there was a time when the roller skating rinks were it. So anyway, we're going to go to the phones and um, we're still having connection problems. I don't know what is going on with the Wi-Fi today of all the days. But we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines and talk to uh, the producers, uh, Diana and uh, Tina. And the reason we wanted to make sure the Wi-Fi is working because we got skaters from all over the country looking at this uh, today and ready, re- getting ready for us. But anyway, we're going to go to the lines and talk to uh, Diana Winkler and Tina Brown from United Skates. Hello. Hello, <laughs> ladies. How are you? Good, good. And it's, uh, How are you? Tina, Tina with the uh, Australian accent and Diana with the uh, Hawaiian-American accent. <laughs> so we're worldwide. <laughs> yes. Thank you for, for um, that, that beautiful description of our film. You, you covered it perfectly. Yeah, I think we don't, we don't have anything else to say now, do we? <laughs> You've covered everything that we, we cover in the film. Well, first of all, let me first of all share with our, our uh, listeners, give me the background of why you wanted to do a documentary on skating. You could do a documentary on anything. Why skating? Yeah, I mean, I, want to take it? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Diana and I often, um, you know, say how we really feel that this story found us. We went looking for this particular story to tell, and we actually started off here in Central Park in New York filming um, some of the skaters who skate outdoors here, and uh, they're from an older generation and, and, you know, from the disco era, and we actually thought that once they stopped skating, that would be the sort of the end of roller skating. Um, but little did we know <laughs> there was this vibrant community. Uh, and so one, when we were filming one day, um, some younger skaters came up to us and, and said, actually, you know, skating's not dead. It's, it's gone underground. You should come with us to a skate party. So Deanna and I jumped on a, a bus from Port Authority, went overnight to Richmond, Virginia, and we walked into uh, a skate a rink at, at midnight and, and a skate party and there are thousands of skaters there uh, from this community and obviously we were very intrigued and interested in what was going on so we just um we spent the the night talking to people and and being amazed by not only the skating but by the sense of community that we felt in the rink now tell us a little bit about both of you all's background have you are you you've been doing other films or is this your first one this is our first feature film as directors and um, producers. Uh, we also shot a majority of the film, and uh, but we've worked on other projects before, just not in the directing roles. So, um, yeah, it was a five-year journey for us. <laughs> it takes a while to do documentaries, especially as independents. Uh, so we spent a lot of time raising funds to keep you know, going out on the road and filming, and um, we spent two years editing the film. We explored a lot of different storylines because as... As you've seen, the film is very layered and there's uh, a lot that we we jam into the film. Uh, so not only for our own characters, but also talking about the issues and gentrification and zoning um, and hip-hop as well. So it, it really took us a while to find that story and that balance in the edit room. Yeah, five I, years. I would say we, we, worked, uh, we worked in the film industry for over 10 years before making this film, so it's not like we just dove in... Um, without experience, but uh, like many other industries, as, as women, it's very hard to, um, to ever direct your own, your own film in this business. So this was our first time in, in that seat, for sure. <laughs> now, to do this, you had to, if it's independent, explain to our, to our uh, audience what it means to do an independent um, documentary. A lot oh of my blood, goodness! Sweat and well, tears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, in in a lot of um, other countries in, in in Europe and elsewhere, there's funding from the government and a lot of support for um, for the arts. But in this country, it's all about the hustle. <laughs> so, um, you know, Tina and I did just about every role by ourselves in order to keep the budget lean and mean. And um, that's why, as Tina was saying, we shot most of it. We learned to do sound by ourselves. We produced it, directed it. We, we wrote endless grants to uh, different nonprofit organizations for little bits of aid and support along the way. And we ended up getting supported by just about everyone that we applied to because I think everyone could see that there was something special here, that a story that really needed to be shared with, with the world. So we did end up getting support from uh, you know, very prestigious places like the Sundance Institute, uh, New York State Council for the Arts, California Humanities, uh, Chicken and Egg, Fledgling, we could go on. There's so many. And, um, you know, each one of them was, was a little piece of the puzzle to get us to the to the finish line. But, but that is why it took five years, because we both had to still have day jobs and, um, you know, find other ways to support ourselves while doing this massive project. <laughs> Well, wow, so it was a definitely a labor of love. <laughs> sure was. You can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, as women, we figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. We always you are so right there. Film. This is our film baby, so we really, you know, we we nurtured it and we we looked after it just like it was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. For those who are just uh, tuning in with us, we are talking to uh, Dana Winkler and Tina Brown, and the documentary is United Skates. Now, in um, we broadcast from Cincinnati, although um, we are, are heard all over, and our podcast obviously gets out around, and we got skaters from all over, all over the country. Um, one of the things that um, you tackle in the film is the the fact of gentrification um zoning 
for example. A lot of times places got zoned out. In, in L.A., that was a, an issue. They come in and say, oh, we're going to bring uh, this a new business in, a big box business, and we've got to get the zoning. We've had that in, in Cincinnati. They um, took one of the rinks that was called Golden Skates, and they sold their property, and they um, zoned it for something else, and then they had to close down and, and either open up somewhere else um, which was further out, but they you you tackled that. Was that something that you were shocked about in your uh, documentary when you were researching and putting it together? Well, you know, I, I mean, think I, the the what? Sorry, oh, uh, I'll start. Tina can you finish it. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I was just going to say that you know, um, obviously, it was the celebratory, um, vibrant skate world that drew us in, but then that doesn't hold um, a feature-length film. There has to be um, issues and conflict and, and um, a deeper message at its core in order to, to hold someone in their seats for a full hour and a half. Um, and um, so as we were starting to kind of dig deeper and ask the questions of the skaters of you know, and the rink owners, why are these rinks closing? Because as we were filming, another rink would close. We filmed so many rinks closing in so many cities. And the, the the reasons for them closing were never exactly the same. And so we were trying to get a handle on why. Why are these rinks closing? It's a different reason in North Carolina than it was in Chicago, than it was in Atlanta, in L.A. You know, each place, you know, the Playmore just closed in Ohio this year. And, and, um, and so, you know, we did a lot of digging and research to see what is the the kind of common core that is connecting all of these, because there's got to be something. And and one of the things we realized is that each time these these rinks close, it's because uh, they're they're turned into big box stores, and it's because the area around the rink is being gentrified. And so, um, you know, the 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 new um, residents perhaps don't want the rink there, or the the um, the retail around it has changed, and so they want to make sure that you know the the value of the land is worth is going up, um, and that was kind of something that we did see no matter where we were. We filmed a, a rink closing in L.A. that turned into a Saks off Fifth Avenue, and um, and so that that's kind wait of wait a minute. Hold see. that thought. Hold that. Wait a minute. A <laughs> roller skating rink was zoned out and turned into a Saks Fifth Avenue. Shopping, high-end yeah. shopping. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like we need another one of those. <laughs> yeah. Now, I like and, sex, and, but, I, you know, I like to skate a <laughs> little bit more. <laughs> so we, we actually interviewed a lot of um, researchers, uh, people who work in this, in, this, uh, in this world that could explain it to us better. And one of the things that blew our minds was that zoning apparently has been used by governments, by cities, as a way to separate communities and kick people out of communities for decades. And um, she actually showed us on a map how it started in one city. They realized, oh, we can use zoning as a tool to, um, you know, get get this community out of this area um, and keep them in a, de- a different area. And, uh, and, it, it's, and other cities started catching on and realizing that that was a tool they could use as an implement as well. And now she basically said there isn't a city in this country that isn't using zoning as a means to segregate, to discriminate. Um, and, and so that was really when we started, that piqued our interest to, to look deeper into, into that and see if, you know, now that this film is finished and we can show that, expose that to the world, if, if um, we can't perhaps stop that from happening in the future in some way. And that's why we need your help. <laughs> well, absolutely. And that's one of the things. I mean, I think sometimes we don't, we wouldn't think something like, okay, we're just roller skating. We're having a good time. And people don't, you know, it's kind of, you know, people don't understand like, yes, it matters, you know, who you vote for. And it matters to put those issues on the table. Like, hey, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a voter. I'm a roller skater. I love to skate. Um, you guys are zoning us out where we can't participate. And there's a lot of power in um you know voting and one of the things i i I remember doing i had a uh uh, for president obama i i had a uh event 
for skaters where we registered uh we got people information about where they where to vote and it was powerful to see over a thousand people come out and not only we skated but we were educated on where to vote how to vote and i call it jam the vote and um we've been able to do those kind of things but you are absolutely right and that piece i think is um unique to for people who definitely need to to see this movie we need to make sure um, you know, I looked at this movie and, and my good friend, Salita, she said, you have to see this, Alicia, you have to see this. And I guess I'm a little strange because I'm a, I'm elected official. I'm in politics, but I love my roller skating and I've always <laughs> uh, loved my roller skating. And I would I used to come in with my suit on after a long day and then run to the back at our old rink and change and put on uh, my skating clothes. And uh, you find so many people of different. Did you find people of different backgrounds when you were doing this documentary? Documentary. I mean, different professions, etc. Oh my goodness! Doctors, lawyers, you know, um, to custodians, to everything in between. I mean, we really you can't you can't tell what a skater does. They're, they're just there's from all walks of life, um, and so we were really excited about that as well. That that you can't just pigeonhole a skater and go, okay, that's that's what they do. This is what they do for a job. There, there were skaters from every walk of life. And not only that, every age. You know, we, we did an interview mm-hmm. with a, a skater in Los Angeles who said, what other thing can you think of where you get something out of it as a child, you get something different out of it as a teenager, you get something else out of it in the middle of your life, and you want to go there until you die? And there isn't really a lot of places like that that exist. I mean, I can't think of any other place that exists like that. And, you know, that's the magic of... of of what the the black community has created inside of the roller rink. It's it's very unique and powerful and 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 rich and beautiful and that was what we wanted to make sure came across in on mm-hmm. the screen. Well I wanna tell you you definitely captured because uh, when you know, actually, when Salita called me, um, my good friend out of Washington D.C., and um, she was like, "You have to see this. You have to see." It. I'm like, "Well, I heard about it. I mean, it's a documentary. I'll get around to it." But she was like, "You must see this." And when I did, it was like, "Oh my God! You it makes you, you know, there's there's. I, first of all, I learned something. I didn't know uh, in the '60s. You know, there was." you know, protest to get in these rinks. A lot of times we kind of benefit. We were kind of like we could skate. Um, But I didn't know I learned a lot. Um, There were happy times. There were sad times. Uh, And then at the end, you just feel like you have a call to action. Is that something, is that the reaction? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not Robert De Niro, but, um, you know, (laughs) I was a movie critic for my local newspaper. And and I love the movies. and And I also wrote the film tax credits for the state of Ohio. But when I saw this, it was like it hit all the emotion. And then it challenged you to we must do something. Mm. You know, people exactly. people have um, a, a specific idea of what a documentary is. And I, I think it's a bit dated at times. I think that perhaps it's a, um, you know, an informative, dry, boring, um, something that you, you're forced to watch in school. And, and, you know, people keep coming up to us after and saying, this felt like a real movie. This this felt like, and it is a real movie. Actually, you know, documentaries aren't always that that persona of what that is. You know, this is actually, it, it tells a story, it makes you cry, it's got all the same things of a, of a narrative feature-length film. Um, and on top of that, it teaches you something. So, um, we that's why Tina and I love documentaries. It, it actually it's, it's it's often called the the dirty secret of film festivals. People don't think to go, and they're they're usually the best films that are there. Now I want to of uh, those who are just joining us on Alicia Resova, we have uh, Diana Winkler and uh, Tina Brown. United States the documentary has gotten critical acclaim from Tribeca, and all the reviews that I've seen have been positive. Uh, we're trying to get them in uh, Cincinnati for the OTR Film Festival, but they've got a number of film festivals that they're participating in as they move uh, toward a potential Oscar nomination and um, something where, you know, everyone can see it. But this uh, Sunday, they're going to be in Washington, D.C., 
and uh, we're going to give you the information exactly where you can go. And you can also, we'll have the link in Alicia Reese Soul Food if you like our page, where you can go to get uh, your ticket. And uh, I'm calling on Rashad Young, who is a good friend of mine in Washington, D.C., is the chief of staff to the mayor. Uh, hopefully he'll get a chance to stop by. But uh, everyone out there, and I and I think, um, uh, let me ask you this. I won't say what I think. Let me ask you this. If you are not a skater, say you've never skated, you don't know much about it. Um, what do you say to people like that regarding coming to see this film? Well, we're actually you not know, we, skaters. You go. <laughs> We've mm-hmm. learned how to skate, but we're actually not, you know, from the community. And um, what I think is, you know, what we try to achieve with this film is not just to cater to the skate community. Uh, this is really for mainstream audiences. This is for, you know, our friends and family, for people in the community. Um, it it I think we're using roller skating as a metaphor um, for what's happening in this country. And I think what can attract other audiences outside of the skate community is obviously the amazing skating, but also the heart and soul of the film, which, you know, it resonates to, to any audience. So um, I would say that if you, if you, you know, want to see some amazing skating, want to hear some great music, want to be um, taken on a journey uh, on a great story that, that has the highs and lows um, an emotional roller coaster, then you should come see our film. Well, I think that's great. And I think it's important that you, you're very specific. I mean, you're intentional in this movie that you go deep into um, the African American skate community, the soul skate community. Um, so, soul music. And, you know, there's there there are a lot of things, like you said, you're, it, it, the rink is just a microcosm of what's happening around, whether it's, you know, People are going through gentrification right now, not just this, not just the roller skating rink, but their homes, their churches, um, people right now uh, dealing with police community relations, uh, not mm-hmm. just at the rink, but in society, whether they're uh, getting pulled over or whether they're dealing with it at Yale University, where a young woman was just mm-hmm. in her own dormitory or mm-hmm. a barbecue in Oakland. And in Starbucks, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you're right. I mean, it's it, it basically it focuses in on laser focuses in on this um, on the roller skating rink. But these are things that that are, are taking place. And uh, do you want to share with us also African-American owned rinks? Because in Cincinnati, we had um, uh, one or two African-American owned rinks. Then we had some other rinks in African-American communities like Roller World and Royals. And those places are no longer around. And, you know, it seems that they're pushing this, pushing us further and further outside of the urban core. Uh, did you see that in your documentary where the urban core is now, they're forcing people further out? For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think I it, mean, it, it definitely comes back to gentrification and, and the zoning laws. And, um, you know, the ring owners said, would want to stay in the areas that they they're based are getting pushed out. They either their uh, lease isn't getting renewed if they don't own the land, or they're getting offers that um, for them is too too hard to refuse. Um, and also, there's a community that that sometimes doesn't want the rink in their area. They they see a large group of black people at night congregating in the parking lot and then going skating, and they think that for some reason it's a dangerous and community. And so um, they petition to get the the rink removed from their area. Uh, And so we've definitely seen this throughout the whole country. I mean, we have this map in the film where we show in the heyday of skating, back in the 80s, there was probably over 5,000 rinks across the country. Um, And then it goes through to today when there's just over 1,000. So it really shows you that this is not just a, a, you know, an issue in just one city or state. This is happening across the country. And did you see a, I think a di- three three rinks closing a month? Actually, mm-hmm. so it's it's happening quite quickly. Yeah, because you said, and even in your five years, you saw uh, as you were filming, and you weren't even looking for this, but as you were filming, places rinks were closing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we both were living in New York, and um, there were no rinks left in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx. They were all closed. Uh, and so skaters there, they drive all the way out to New Jersey or deep into Long Island if they want to skate there. So, you know, there there are many cities that have, have lost all of their rinks. And 
Um, you know, even in Atlanta, where you would you could argue Atlanta and Chicago are are the two strongest um, uh, cities for African American skate skating, and both of those have lost rinks uh, while we've been shooting. We, you know, one of our main characters in the film actually is. It's a black-owned business. It's a family-run business that is fighting tooth and nail, putting all their life savings into keeping that rink open. And we just show the struggle that goes into, um, you know, what 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 needs to be done to keep one of these afloat without any support. And and um, yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill battle, but it's a battle that we think can be won. And that's why we hope that by seeing this film, we are arming everyone who watches it with tools that they can use to go back to their communities and and um, know how to fight to keep to keep their community spaces uh, running and and therefore for the next generation. Because otherwise, our entire country is going to turn into the same ten big box stores, and you know we're not going to have any originality or or creative spaces or places for our kids to go or um and that's that's not the direction we want our country to go so no absolutely and let me say that um just in that that point um and i won't give the film away but at that point with the business owner that's something the, the piece that you went deep into, I really appreciated that because you showed the behind the scenes, you showed the struggle of a family, uh, African-American family owned uh, rink, uh, multi-generation and uh, no, no, no financial help. You know, this, the, the city and it was in Chicago. I mean, no help from the city. Mm-hmm with any type of resources to keep them open, but is providing resources to other businesses to come in uh, around them and then squeeze them out and nowhere to go. Can't go to the bank. Can't, can't get money to expand and, and grow. Um, can't get money to help stay afloat. And that is the story of um, African-American owned businesses around this country. And when we're, we're losing land, we're losing property. Um, the same with African-American churches. You know, we've got a, a, a issue and a fight that I'm on now where they want to come in and, 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 and cite the churches through the building inspectors and then rezone. And then you, you don't have money to fix up. You can't survive there. There's you're drowning. They're squeezing. You can't go to the bank, can't get any grants. Um, so I appreciate you um, showing that human side that is it's the rink, but this is what's happening to um, African-American businesses. And that's why there's no legacy, no second and third and fourth generation, no expansion. And they keep squeezing. And even now in Cincinnati, I'm, I'm fighting in Ohio, not just Cincinnati, but in Ohio, they came up with a new law, the Gaming Commission. So if you have any games, and you have to have games in the skating rinks now for the kids and to keep up. If you have any games, they're charging $6,000 for you to have a license, the same amount that they're charging, say, the 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 um, uh, Kings Island and Cedar Point, which is our amusement parks who have games, the same that they're charging Dave and Buster's who has games. So this is going to crush the roller skating rinks, the mm-hmm. bowling alleys. And so now all of those family own smaller businesses just this crumble but i really appreciate in the movie and i think this is an important part whether you are a skater or not if you are a you know african-american business owner you can relate to this when you're being crushed and there's nowhere to go and you've got everything the taxes are on you the 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 city zoning people are on you the building inspector doesn't come in why because they want you to sell for cheap and just say, let me out of this. And, you know, America's not reproducing land. So you done gave your land away. You done sold it for almost nothing. And when you get out of it, you probably ain't going to have nothing. And uh, you really get to see uh, the core of that. Because, you know, we come in and we, we're just roller skating. We want to have a nice floor. We want to have the nice this. We want the music. We want to have that. But all of that other stuff that goes into it, the gas and electric bill, the water bill, uh, dealing with the codes. I mean, I'm so glad that you that you um, brought that to light. And I think anyone could understand that struggle right now that's going on in America for businesses to try to hang on and to hold on. Thank you yeah, and for saying that and I saying that. And hopefully, you know, they, 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 the reason that Tina and I got into filmmaking 
um, in part is because uh, there are many ways that you can fight against all the things in this world that are against us. And and um, documentaries are one of those ways. You can really use them as a tool to to make a difference and to make change out in the world through art. And, uh, you know, so what we're hoping to do now with this film is to bring it to as many communities as we can, rally people around the film, arm them up, and and allow them to, you know, protect themselves and, and their communities in all the different cities in this country against what's happening so that hopefully some change can can happen as we move forward with this film, which is why we encourage everyone that we can to support it, to go out and see it, um, you know, to, we're very happy to work with community organizers to, um, to create events around the film, to talk about the film afterwards, to, you know, um, to, to gather together to, to make a plan of action. Um, these are all things that we want to do this next year as we, we just finished the film, um, barely two months ago. And, uh, so, you know, it's very early days for us to figure out exactly how we want to roll all of that out. But um, we are looking constantly for allies and supporters and, um, you know, hope that as the months um, move forward that we'll, we'll really, everything will fall into place. Well, sign me on. I'm um, ready to go. I am sold on this. I'm going to be working hard um, in Ohio, particularly to help, uh, help you with the film and certainly some of my uh, friends and contacts I definitely uh, want to connect them with I mean this is something I mean my goodness something I love roller skating um, something I love uh, putting it on film and then being able all of the messages that you have in it um, and like you said it's just really I mean showing you know what's going on in in our country and it's happening even at roller skating and, you know, mm-hmm. that's I mean, that's, I mean, we can't even roller skate, you know, and 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 release stress and have fun um, because that's uh, we got to deal with politics. <laughs> uh, we've got to deal with um, uh, uh, development. Police. We got to deal with all these different things. Now, in your mm-hmm. film, one one thing I, I do want you to, to hit on and um, the police community relations. Um, did you find it odd that there was somewhat of a stigma because again remember now we come roller skating you know i don't come in with my uh state representative badge on or i'm not in high heel shoes in a in a in a business suit i mean i'm in my baseball cap you know most time my tights my sweats or what have you and so are other we come we're coming to skate but in the skate community we've got you know like you said doctors lawyers um we got business owners we've got uh, you know firefighters uh we got all kind of all kind of professions i met so many people in the profession bus drivers what have you but when we come in there's seems to be a stigma for african-american skaters and we mentioned it you said like you said starbucks there's a stigma we go to yale there's a stigma i mean everywhere we go there's a we get pulled over there's a stigma nobody's asking us for our degrees and our titles and all of that and were you shocked to see um some some tension in that or or a mindset that perceived african-americans you know skaters a certain way was that shocking to you definitely and i think um you know for both of us, you know, we're not um, African American, and we we would go to the rink at midnight, and and some of them, in a lot of cases, weren't um, located in the the best part of town. We were in Baltimore at one point, and uh, we were driving along to the rink, and the police stopped us uh, and and said, "You, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be in this area at this time of night." We said, "Oh, well, we're going to the rink to film," and they're like, "No, no, 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 you have to go. This is dangerous." We know we're going to the ring to film our friends. Like, let us through, um, and and we we met that so many times where you know we were basically they wanted to protect us <laughs> uh, from our friends from our skaters, and and so we did witness that firsthand, and and some of that you see in the film we were able to capture. Um, but yeah, it was definitely shocking for us, and I think we were able to use you know our our white privilege in a sense to to gain access to that that perspective. Wow, and, and that's amazing. How wrong, how wrong they are. You know, and I would almost mm-hmm. say that it wasn't shock that we had because, of course, we we live in this country and we're, 
we are aware of, of, of what's around us, but more anger and frustration and, um, you know, like turning it back around and saying, why do you think it's dangerous? Why do you feel like we, you know, aren't, shouldn't be in this, in this area? And, and as Tina said, you know, that's where we were able to use our privilege to, you know, there were many times when we would um, sneakily turn our cameras on and they wouldn't know that we were filming. And uh, Tina and I have code language with our eyes where we know what each other is doing and thinking without saying it. And, you know, one of us would taunt the cop to get them to say what they were inferring, but perhaps not actually saying. And the other would be, you know, tilting the camera up from their hips so, so we, they wouldn't know that we were filming them. And, you know, that was how we were able to kind of expose some of what's going on uh, around us and, 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 you know, hopefully show how, how wrong they are and how their, their, their perceptions of this community are, are um, based in, in nothing. You know, this is families going to roller skate, with dads with their kids on their shoulders, walking past a line of cop cars to get in the door. I mean, it's infuriating. So, um, yeah, you know, that was, that was part of, of our, our um, decision and as filmmakers, as privileged filmmakers, something that we could do to expo- and expose in the film. Well, that was very important because that's the only way. I mean, we would have never known about the barbecue in Oakland had it not been um, for uh, a non-African-American filming it. She filmed it and said, this is wrong. And so a lot of times when you see it on film, and one thing about skating, we're like all one family. Like, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you saw that as you went. I mean, we're, if you if you have a pair of skates, you're family. We don't care who you are we let's roll it's all about let's roll let's have a good time uh sure you show your move i'm gonna show my move we're gonna have a good time and we've got people from all over the world and that's why we always have one nation under a groove i mean we're ready to you know we're, we're together uh when we come into that rink and and i think that's one of the things that that certainly um you captured in the film uh, one last thing i want to ask you about is the world of hip-hop um, and, and you go into the history behind that. I mean, we all saw the film. A lot of us saw the film. Um, uh, Compton, uh, the NWA's film. Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, we saw that film. And that was really well done. And in that film, it even shows that, you know, they were performing at the uh, skating rink. And so skating rink, and I know one of my first times at the skating rink, there, were, there was a skating rink at, uh, in Cincinnati that was connected to an arena called the Cincinnati Gardens. And we had Stacy Lattisaw and Johnny Gill. And, so we'd always had these performances. And they would come in there, and it was almost like if the rink approves you, uh, you can you can do it. And I remember in St. Louis, that's when I first met Nelly. They said, "We got this guy named mm-hmm. Nelly. We're gonna put his song on." Um, you know, that hip hop has a, a, a direct tie uh, to the skating rink. Yeah, well, Nelly actually recorded his entire first album. Oh, he recorded his first album in the basement of the um, Saints Roller Rink in in St. Louis. So definitely, there is a strong connection. <laughs> With hip hop and um, and the roller rinks because they were, you know, when hip hop was first starting out, um, there were the big arenas for hip hop artists to perform in. They weren't allowed to perform anywhere else um, except for small little clubs, um, and so so roller rinks were the places where they could have you know one thousand, two thousand, three thousand people in the audience to come see them. Um, so yeah, we definitely uh, researched that and and found. Um, some fantastic footage uh, of Queen Latifah actually performing in the roller rink very early on in her career when she was probably about 17 or 18. Wow, this this documentary, guys, is fire. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a roller skater. I'm telling you, this is fire because it, it hits all of the, the the things that's happening in our in our country. It, it captures our history. It captures the family piece. It captures what what gentrification can do to you. So I want to thank you all for, for being on the show. Diana Winkler, Tina Brown, first of all, thank you for doing the documentary. And the documentary is United Skates. 
And um, it is going to be shown. The next place is uh, Washington, D.C. So to all my listeners, all my Facebook friends, uh, you've got to go to Washington, D.C. If you're in the D.C. area, it's going to be on Father's Day, June 17th. June 17th. We'll put a link in Alicia Reese Soul Food so you can um, hit that link. Um, And Tribeca, what was it like to have Robert De Niro say that this this is it? This is a great, great documentary. (laughs) We were in shock. Are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> Out of all the films at Tribeca, the fact that he just kept bringing up ours interview after interview was um, was quite an honor. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, we have Coolio in the film, Salt and Peppa in the film, Naughty by Nature's in our film. John Legend is, of course, our executive producer, one of our executive producers, and he actually came to the premiere as well with just the most beautiful things to say about the film. So, it really um, is a testament to all of our years of hard work and also to the, 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 the I guess, saying that this film, it's its, it's time. It's um, People are ready to see it. They want to see it. They're hungry to see it. And, and um, now it's just about get, figuring out a way to get it to as many cities as we can. So um, you can actually go to our website. We have a screening uh, a page on our site where you can see all of the upcoming screenings and we're constantly adding more so uh, people can look for their hometowns, their home states to see if we're coming to them soon. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna have that on our page where you can see it but I'm telling you right now, I appreciate Robert De Niro and his endorsement. <laughs> we appreciate John Legend mm-hmm. and his endorsement. That was great. We really, really appreciate everyone who says it's wonderful. But I'm here to tell you today, Alicia Reese Soul Food, and we put everything. We put some. We that we you we put macaroni cheese, cornbread. We put it all together. But most importantly, we had the hot sauce. And I'm telling you, this film has the hot sauce. And what, I'm telling you, I'm endorsing it. It has the hot sauce. We've got to make this film all the way, have an Oscar nomination, win the Oscars, and we got to bring you to Ohio. We're going to go ahead and do a tour. Maybe maybe I have to do a tour or something. Alicia Reese Soul Food Tour Film Festival featuring United Skates and uh, just have skaters everywhere. <laughs> skaters you, everywhere. We're we going to skate down to City Hall. We're going to skate to the State House. It would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate all that you've done. From Tribeca Film Festival to Alicia Reese Soul Food, don't forget Washington, D.C. You must pack it out. I don't want to see a seat available in Washington, D.C. Father's Day, go to church, take your father out, and then take him to the movie. Take him to see United Skates of America. United Skates, it's going to be in uh, Washington, D.C. We'll have the link right there. Alicia Reese Soul Food. We're going to bring it to Cincinnati, Ohio. Tyra Lindsay, let's make it happen. The Over the Rhine Film Festival. Let's make it happen here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And you know we've got to take you to the movies. Alicia Reese Soul Food. We're going to have an Alicia Reese Soul Food night for the movie Superfly. You know Superfly. I take you all the way back. But they redid the movie. And if you want to see that movie, like our page, Alicia Reese Soul Food. Drop us a line to get free passes to the premiere of Superfly in Cincinnati. Have you or someone you know been in a car, motorcycle, or trucking accident? Time is of the essence. You may be hurt and not even know it. Call the Cochran Firm now in Cincinnati. Founded over 40 years ago by Johnny L. Cochran Jr., the Cochran Firm is one of the premier law firms in the country. They're committed to being your advocate if you've been a victim of a serious injury, car, motorcycle, or trucking accident. Choose a successful, reputable law firm. Don't wait. Call the Cochran Firm right now at 381-HURT. That's 381-HURT online at CochranOhio.com. It's food for the soul. Soul Food with Alicia Reese on WGRI. We're on the line, Alicia Reese Soul Food with Dr. Keith Melvin, and we're talking about this health care. I mean, it's a maze. It's all these changes. Anthem now doesn't want to pay for ER visits. Pharmacies now, CVS wants to be both the benefits people to decide what drugs get actually funded. 
pharmaceutical drugs and then be the retailer, CVS Pharmacy, and now they want to buy an insurance company. This thing's a mess, doctor. What's going on? Well, there's no question about it, and it's going to get worse. It's unfortunate because uh, we've realized as physicians in the healthcare industry for the past 10, 15 years, uh, the bottom of the totem pole is the doctor, the nurse, and the patient. No question about it. Out of the dollar, we say the doctor probably gets about five or six cents, and maybe less than that on every dollar healthcare. So they're not... And the doctor, the conglomerates get all the money. Everyone else shares the money. But as I have said to you before, to Alicia, when I assess a patient and have evaluated them and decided what their medication should be and so forth, I prescribe the medication they should have. When they get to the pharmacy, they find that the pharmacy doesn't, the insurance doesn't pay for what the doctor prescribed. And then they call us back and say, well, they prescribed. They will pay for this, that, and the other. Well, some of those are third, fourth, and fifth choices from the doctor. Well, I really don't like prescribing the third, fourth, and fifth choice. When you come to me, I'm trying to do the best job I can. And when I do the best job I can, I'm prescribing the best medicine that you should have for your condition. And that's unfortunate. But they're the ones making these decisions. It's unfortunate. People make a decision that haven't gone to medical school and haven't done any training. It's just unbelievable. It's people who are making decisions based on money. And I understand in this capitalistic society, but it has nothing to do with it. I don't like you coming on uh, TV, radio, and the newspapers and acting like you care about patients and you're doing wonderful until you've got great marketing skills and great marketing teams uh, drawing people to a particular insurance business. I mean, it's just all a strictly business, but it has nothing to do with health care. You know, health care is an interesting thing. In America, we have good health care, but good health care does cost. It's not free. And it's not cheap. You know, you get an MRI or CT scan or something, and people are saying, you know, that you, you come up with chest pain. You're a lay person, or even if you're not a lay person, even if you're a doctor, and you think that you're having chest pain, that sounds like to you it's a coronary disease or angina or heart attack or what have you. Then you get to the emergency room. They do the testing and so forth to find out that it's not. It's still sticking me with the bill. And I'll tell you, uh, just a month or two ago, I went to a Jewish hospital to have a stress test because I had been having chest pain. So my doctor ordered a stress test for me. When I got there, I had to pay $1,026 out of my pocket at registration. You know what I'm saying? And I said, my goodness, I'm one of the physicians working for uh, Mercy. I trained at Jewish hospital. I was the second African-American male to train at Jewish hospital. And doggone if I didn't have to pay $1,026 at registration to check for my own chest pain issue. Now, that's an and, and, that, and that's interesting because, you know, they give the myth that everybody is just running to the hospital and, and, and abusing it. And we were in the research, it doesn't support that in terms of the numbers. But just like you said, if you got insurance, you have to have a copay. So if you're going to the hospital, you have to pay these copays. So I don't think people who have insurance or run into these hospitals and racking up these copays. And I think exactly what you said is is so important because you, as a doctor, I don't want a doctor second-guessing. Yes, and now we're trying to make decisions based on the financial ability that the patient has to pay based on what kind of insurance they have. And that's just not the way this should be done. I really should still be trained and practicing doing the best of my ability after I've done my evaluation. But it's a it's a terrible it's a terrible way that we're going, and I don't see that it's going to change. But we really do have to stand up as consumers, as politicians, and so forth. All the people who can be involved in these decision making uh, processes, we all do have to participate. There's no question about. It. And the time is now. The time is definitely now because you know once this train starts going downhill, it's going to be very difficult to stop. And you know everyone's in business to make money in terms of the insurance company, sort of pharmaceutical company. All businesses are in are in business to make money. And so you know the consumer, which is the patient, the doctor, the nurse, and so forth, we're really at the mercy of all of these institutions. Well, that's what we're concerned about. And and one of the things that that uh, that I'm pushing along with uh, some of my colleagues is that we can't make this the way we do business. And if we don't fight back uh, Anthem, it'll be uh, other insurers and everyone. It'll be the way that we do business where you go into well, the emergency room um, and um, and once you get in the emergency room and they check you out, like you said, you have a chest pain or what have you. Other, pe- other people will be making the decisions, and I'll tell you how this all started before we developed the managed care. Medicare was 
always available when I was first, first years of practice in the 80s. Now, Medicare paid the doctor the least amount of money. Anthems, Blue Cross, and all those others, Choice Care, and so but they really paid about 80%, and the consumer paid 20%. And so, uh, in the end, we all had to start uh, accepting assignment, which is we had to accept what Medicare would pay us. And if you didn't accept what Medicare would pay you, then you actually couldn't hardly really see Medicare patients. That's everybody over 65. So eventually we all had to accept the assignment. Well, once uh, Anthony and Blue Cross realized that the doctor was willing to accept 60 cents on the dollar, all of them said, well, then why am I paying him a dollar for a dollar? I'm going to give him 60 cents on a dollar also. And that's what happened. That's how the whole thing happened. And what it was was that everyone tells the consumer how the cost of health care is terrible and they blame the doctor and so forth so they just cut what they paid to the doctor and now the managed care organization keeps all the money so all they did was just took the money and put it in a different pot but you know, the, so now it doesn't come to the patient because now they're telling you in order to cut health care they have to cut your services wow you know you have to cut your services now everyone runs around and says they got a preventive health care plan and so yes they'll do once a year do an EKG or once a year they'll do a physical exam but you know you usually need more than that if you're 50 or 60 years old you need more than just going to the doctor once a year and the rest of the time you're paying perhaps through the nose and you never get the medication that you're prescribed most times it's all generic things which are old medicines old medicines fine but sometimes it's just not the best medicine well, Dr. Keith Melvin, thank you for dropping the hot sauce on healthcare, yeah. <laughs> and it's so complicated. But again, like you said, if we don't keep our eyes on it, if we don't fight back, we don't stand up. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're going down a slippery slope, and it's yeah, a, it's not, a bad. Not, yeah, you know, the, the consumer, the patients are lose. And you know, the truth is, I'm 65 years old, so now I am one of the patients. I'm not just the doctor. I'm actually one of the patients now. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Keith Melvin. Alicia Reese, Soul Food. Always and anytime. I'll talk to you. Talk to you soon. Thanks.